SME Souk podcast, brought to you by Rackbank Business. Your business matters. Hello, you're listening to the SME Souk podcast series. I'm your host, Brandy Scott, and for this episode, we are discussing the introduction of taxation in the UAE, particularly what it means for SMEs. For this, I'm very pleased to be joined by Mohamed Araji, partner and regional financial services tax leader at EY. Mohamed, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Brandy. Glad to be here. Set the scene for us here. Talk me through what the UAE has actually introduced when it comes to corporate tax. As everybody heard, corporate tax started in the UAE. There's a slight misconception that the region here is a tax-free region. This might be true for individuals, but if you look around us, in KSA, zakat and corporate tax has been there for a long time. Qatar has a corporate tax, Kuwait has zakat, Oman has a corporate tax. We're anticipating corporate tax in Bahrain. If we look into the wider MENA region, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon had tax for like 50, maybe 60 years or more. VAT has been implemented in the UAE. So the concept of introducing tax is not foreign. This is a new type of tax in the UAE, which is around corporations, businesses, tax on net profits, not at the top line. So there's a lot of details about it. It's a legislation in line with the global trends, OECD countries. Let's talk through how it actually works. As you say, it's a net profit tax. Talk me through the rate and how it's calculated. There are two rates prescribed in the legislation, the 0% rate and the 9% rate. The 0% rate applies if you're exempt, if you're a free zone entity, the 9% rate applies if you're a taxable person, meaning not a free zone person or not exempt. And the 9% is very critical to understand 9% on what, which is taxable income. And in many cases, taxable income is different than accounting income. So normally businesses would calculate their accounting income. There are some adjustments, reliefs, addbacks, subtractions from that income to arrive at taxable income. And then that's multiplied by 9% or that's multiplied by a 0%. So you are subject to tax at 0%. You are subject to tax at 9%. And how competitive is that tax rate internationally? Oh, it's very competitive. By global standards, 9% is a low tax rate and it's very competitive. So talk to me about how eligibility is decided. The legislation applies to residents and non-residents in the UAE. A resident is any business or taxable person doing business in the UAE, incorporated in the UAE, has a place of business. That's criteria number one. Non-residents, if they have agents, if they have permanent establishment, in the UAE, they're doing business, they're deriving business from the UAE, also it applies to them. So it applies to residents and non-residents. If you're a resident, then you look at what's the activity that you're doing? What type of revenue are you generating? And which criteria in the legislation do you fit in? Example, one great thing in the legislation is the small business relief, which applies to many SMEs. You can elect to be exempt from tax. This election is available until 2026. There are conditions to be eligible for that election, meaning you should not have any revenue more than 3 million dirhams in any prior years or in any future years going forward up until 26. This is a great relief for small businesses. They need to understand the impact of the legislation on them, see whether that election suits them. And if it does, then they can make that election and file it with the tax return or submit it with the tax return. And they have a good relief for the next three, four years. That relief sounds like it could only be a good thing. Why would companies decide 
to do it or not to, to do it other than eligibility? It's also in the future, right? You can elect it, but you have to meet the criteria from now until 26. Otherwise, you lose it. It may disallow some of the benefits or the losses that you have inherently to be accounted for. And they have a good relief for the next three, four years. Now, any legislation has two impacts qualitative and quantitative. The first impacts the other. What's really critical for small businesses, medium, global, multinationals is to understand the qualitative impact of any legislation on them. And here we're talking about the corporate tax legislation. So they need to know how are they impacted by this legislation? What type of revenues do they derive? What's exempt? What's considered Revenue that's not subject to tax. Example, dividends from a resident company. So you receive dividends from an entity in the UAE. In the legislation, those dividends are subject to tax at 0% or they are exempt income. And then you need to understand the elections. There's an option called elections in the legislation where you elect to treat an expense or an asset or an impairment or a loss in a certain way that may be beneficial to you if you make that election. So understand how those elections also reliefs available to them in the legislation. The third one is how would the legislation impact their operating model? Do they need to change anything? And if they do, there's a transitional period that the government gave so they can do those changes. Keeping in mind, you cannot do changes to create a tax evasion scheme or an abuse of the legislation. And there's a very clear article there, Article 50, which talks about abuse regimes that will be rejected by the tax authorities. Oh, and we're going to get into that a yeah. little bit later on. Before we do, though, when you are talking um, about all those different areas, let's also discuss things that are tax deductible, which I suggest is going to become more and more of our lexicon mm-hmm. here in the UAE, whether we're talking about company cars or whether we're talking about lunch. How do we decide what counts under this corporate tax scheme as a tax deductible expense? And how is that possibly going to change the way that companies spend their profits? Some of the expenses, as you rightfully said, are deductible, partially deductible or non-deductible. Business operating expenses in general all are deductible. There are some exceptions. For example, meals in a certain way are deductible at 50%. Company activities are 100% deductible. If you're entertaining a client or you have an external party, those meals and entertainment would be 50%. One key great example of how an expense can be deductible or not, if you make a donation to an entity or to a charity that's not registered or recognized with the tax authorities, that expense is not deductible. So you can make a donation to any of the public or the beneficiary entities that are recognized by the tax authorities, and that deduction will be 100%. Bribes, penalties are not deductible. Federal tax that you pay is not a deductible expense. So it depends. It's all prescribed in the legislation to a very large extent, I would say. And this will impact how the companies will spend their money or channel their community spending, their donations, their corporate activities, and so on and so forth. Let's look at some of the accounting and the bookkeeping practicalities. Mm-hmm. I mean, this law became, this tax became effective on the 1st of June. Yep. What is that date actually meant for companies? What should they be already doing now? The law started on June 1st, and that's the first tax day for any business with a year end of May 31st. There's also a lot of people will be surprised that some businesses don't have a December 31st year end. Example, us, we have a June 30 year end. So our first tax day was on July this year. So 
This started for the businesses that have a May 31st year end. If your business is a December year and your first tax day is in January 2024, and that's the bulk of the taxpayers, I would say, in the UAE. And that gave a transition period for these businesses and any business with a tax year after May 31st to plan to understand the legislation, understand the impact, see what transitions they need to make, what accounting adjustments they need to make so they're closing entries are their opening entries for the tax year. And that's also discussed in the legislation. So it gave a transition period to a vast majority of the taxpayer to be ready for it, adjust their operating model, adjust their policies, adjust the way they conduct their business and be ready for their first tax day. How complicated does an accounting system need to get to deal with this? Is this something that companies can do with existing systems or do they need to be buying new software, hiring new staff? Yeah, honestly, this depends on each business. So if you're, let's say, a multinational corporation present in the UAE and you're leveraging your technology or your systems from a very highly sophisticated tax jurisdiction, you may need less changes to your accounting systems. If you're starting from scratch, maybe it's easier because now you may be able to buy something that's being adjusted or custom to the UAE. If you have legacy systems, you need to look, okay, What are the requirements for me to account for? File the tax return, easy to get the data as a tax function, talk to the finance function because tax receive the information from finance. They don't create it. What type of information will they need to prepare their tax returns? And that will give them an idea on what changes needs to be made on the system to make their life easier down the road. So it depends on every business in which stage they are in startup, legacy systems, leveraging complex jurisdictions as a parent or a head office and they'll take it from there. What about contracts and the way that they are written, the way that invoices are done with with partners and suppliers? The corporate tax does not hit invoices. So invoice is a top line. Contracts now because withholding tax is mentioned in the legislation at 0% rate. So Normally, contracts would say our fees or our remuneration is this amount net of tax or plus VAT, plus withholding, any withholding applicable. So some legal wording needs to be adjusted in the contracts to add maybe the withholding tax. You can't say plus corporate tax because corporate tax is a net outcome of total revenues minus total expenses, tax adjusted until you arrive at taxable income and then you calculate that. You may be in a lost position and you don't pay tax. So in that case, you can't go and ask for a refund from a vendor. What about the international vendors, though? I mean, obviously, the UAE, great international trading hub. Uh, What does it all mean for international trade, for receiving foreign income? How do you make sure that you're avoiding double taxation? The UAE has a wide list of tax treaties, I think around 104. And in those treaties, the type of income that you receive is addressed. There are some income or revenues received from outside the UAE. If they meet the criteria set out in the legislation, they are subject to 0%. So you don't have to worry about that. If you end up paying tax outside the UAE, there are two types of relief, whether you paid it in a withholding angle or in a corporate tax, you have presence outside and you paid corporate tax. You have the ability to reduce your UAE tax liability by accounting for those taxes paid abroad. So if I paid 15%, let's say in jurisdiction A outside, and I have 9% here, I can offset 
up to 9% of my tax bill here in the UAE. So your tax bill might be the same, but it's paid in different countries and you have the flexibility and the ability to account for taxes paid outside in the UAE. What about for international companies coming here? I mean, we can feel the population growing around us Mm -hmm. at the moment. For those who will obviously move in in the middle of tax years, varying dates, what does it mean for the way they start doing business in the UAE? I don't think the income tax in the UAE should prevent any business from coming to the UAE. 9% is globally very competitive, and it's pretty much less than a lot of countries, a lot of big economies around us. These businesses, depending on the nature of what they do, the industry or the sector they're in, they need to understand the legislation first. How does it impact or it may impact them setting up in the UAE, that will give them an idea what's the best way to set up, where's the best place to set up, mainland or one of the free zones, or a mix of both depending on the type of clients they want to go after or work with. And then that will give them an idea where to, to set up, how much their potential tax liability is, what's their operating model. So I don't think the tax legislation in the UAE should impact the influx of investors, multinationals or foreign businesses coming into the UAE. Okay, so let's talk about what happens when you get it wrong. You Mm -hmm. mentioned uh, Article 15, you mentioned penalties a little bit earlier. What's the difference between willfully trying to dodge tax and accidentally just not having all your tax ducks in a row? Definitely there's a difference. And if you allow me here, Back to my university days, we had a joke. The difference between tax efficiency and tax evasion is the thickness of the prison walls. (laughs) So you can be on either side of those walls. Either you intentionally do it and it's a bad thing, or if it's a mistake and it can be fixed. Penalty is a means, not a goal for any tax authority. No tax authority says, I'm going to penalize this much so I balance my budget. No, there's a tax system set up there to balance the budget. The penalty scheme is there to make sure compliance is enforced. But more importantly, it's to give fairness to people who are compliant. So if I'm following the deadlines, I'm filing accurate returns, I have no intention or any will to evade tax, I shouldn't be worried about penalties. Now, penalties are for timeliness and accuracy. If I found out there's a mistake in the ministerial decision that came out, lately says there's a voluntary disclosure mechanism. You can come forward to the tax authorities and then you can say, I want to correct that. And that's something available to you. So if you voluntarily put your mm-hmm. hand up and say, I've made a mistake. Does that affect what happens to you next? If you owe more taxes, and this is a global approach, then there is some penalty on the difference in tax. If you don't owe more taxes, then you already overpaid. Coming forward shows goodwill and good intent that you're a compliant taxpayer. You're not in any way looking to evade tax or willfully submitting. Creative accounting. Yeah, creative accounting or inaccurate returns. So you will get a lot of support from tax authorities in that regard. Just to summarize, where should companies be now if their tax year has already started or is about to start? What should they be thinking about? What should they have in place? A few things. I go back to the first thing I said, qualitative assessment. Understand the legislation and how it impacts you, your business model, the type of services you provide. Analyze what type of revenue you generate, whether it's 
and exempt, whether you are in a free zone or in a mainland, what type of rate is applicable to you, and what type of elections reliefs are available to you. And then you can run a simulation of all those scenarios internally based on your current records and say, okay, if I make this election, this is my tax bill. If I make this set of elections, this is my tax bill. Or maybe I'm better off not making any of the elections. I'm good to go. Once you agree and finalize that, assess whether your operating model needs to change to accommodate higher compliance, tax efficiency, keeping in mind anything you do in changing your operating model, splitting your business, reorganizing your group or your structure cannot be to abuse the legislation. It's a relief. It's a transition from the government. Don't go over the line. Don't abuse it. And the tax authorities have the right to assess whether you did that for economic and reasonable reasons or actually you're abusing that. And depending on which side of that you are, there's an action from the tax authority whether no change is needed or they might ask you to claw back everything you've done and you're in a worse off situation than uh, where you started. What about keeping the money aside to actually pay the tax on D-Day? You're assuming that everyone will be taxable on day one, right? Or taxable. Some businesses have reliefs. So if your taxable income is less than 375,000 dirhams, you don't have to pay tax. You have to run that simulation to understand. If you're in a small business relief, you're good to go. If you're an exempt business, meaning you submitted an application to the tax authorities and you were approved an exempt business, you don't have to pay tax. If you're in a free zone and you met the conditions of being a qualified free zone entity, you don't have to pay tax. Your tax rate will be 0%. Even if you have millions in profits, your tax rate will be 0%. If you, let's say, maintain your classification as a qualified free zone entity. To do so, you need to be in a free zone. You need to be have substance in a free zone, like people, office, operations, expenditures, all of that. You need to transact at arm's length, and this is a very critical point, especially if you have a group and you have related party transactions. Those has to be at arm's length. You need to keep TP documentation, transfer pricing documentation to prove to the government when asked that I am transacting at arm's length. And of course, you don't elect to be treated as a taxable person at the 9%. The one last thing is you derive qualifying income, which is also defined in the legislation, what's qualifying income and what's not. You meet all that criteria, you're a qualified free zone entity, and then your tax rate is zero. Even if you make millions, you shouldn't be concerned about that. Now, big businesses they run pro forma calculations or quarterly calculations on how they are doing so far and what potentially would be a tax liability if they are subject to the 9%. So it shouldn't come as a surprise after year and that, oh, now I have to pay this amount. Diligent practice is that you finish your quarter one, you do a calculation. Quarter two, you do a calculation. Quarter three and quarter four. So you keep this calculation running throughout the year. Management will be aware, finance will be aware that, okay, we have this payment coming up. There's also some room in the payment. So the tax return is due nine months after your year end, which is a long time. And you have to make a payment before you submit your tax return. So if you're a December year end, and you have to file your tax return by September after that year. Let's say a business 
December 31st, first tax day is January 1st, 2024. Their year end is December 31st, 2024. Their tax return is due by September 30, 2025. So it's more than two years from today. And then you have to make a payment before that. So between January and June, let's say, you can come up with the money if it came as a surprise. But again, I repeat, it should not come as a surprise, the tax bill, because you'll be running these numbers every quarter or every six months, and you know what's coming up. Before we finish, Mohammed, I have to just say, your nature, your attitude on all this is very reassuring. Have we got some silver linings in here for smaller, newer businesses when it comes to the understanding and visibility into your own company, or maybe the credibility going through this process when dealing with bigger companies or international companies? Can this actually benefit a business to have to do this? Yeah, because understanding the corporate tax and the impact on the business will push all these business owners, whether small businesses or medium enterprise, to better understand their P&L, their expenses, their streams of revenue. Where is it better to conduct business? Should I channel my business into a certain direction? Should I deal only with free zones? Should I deal only with mainland? Should I actually create a new line of business that caters to a new population in a free zone or in a mainland or outside? The possibilities are endless. It gives these businesses a really, I would say in quotations, enforced obligation to better understand their business so they can make better decisions in how they conduct their business going forward. Mohammed, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Brandy. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the SME Souk podcast series with me, Brandy Scott, and our guest today, Mohammed Araji from EY, discussing the implications of corporate tax here in the UAE, particularly for SMEs. SME Souk podcast, brought to you by Rackbank Business.